Before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you that today's episode of Gap Gap is brought to you by the Breakdown Store through TeePublic. So are you looking to gear up with some unique designs featuring your favorite teams, players, things, movie references, and more? Or maybe you're just trying to wrap the breakdown in your hometown? Well, now you can with some of the coolest, most comfortable gear, all while supporting local artists with TeePublic. TeePublic's an internet store featuring tons of shirt designs that you can put on different types of t-shirts, hoodies, three-quarter sleeves, swag out your dog with your new dog tee, uh, stickers, phone cases, all kinds of stuff. Check it out. We have a new, brand new designed breakdown store. It's bit.ly slash the breakdown store. That's the B-R-K-D-W-N store. Use that. They know we sent you. All sales benefit the creating artist. And if you use our link, we get a small portion of the profit as well. We completely retooled the store. You got to check it out. Check it out today. Bit.ly slash the breakdown store. With no further ado, here we go. Now it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. Three, two. That was dropped deep to left field. Going back, choice. Looking up. See ya. 3,000. History with an exclamation point. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Jason Giambi has done it! What is up? It is episode number 33, which means seven, that it's the Brohio episode, a man near and dear to both of our hearts. Number 33, Nick Swisher. Oh, Swishy, Swisherlicious. Haven't heard that name in ages. Yeah, so, 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 <laughs> Nick Swisher went to to the Ohio State University, and so he when he came from the Yankees to the Indians, he like adopted like a section of the ballpark, and called it Bro Ohio. Love it. It, it. Nick Swisher was like the most wannabe, relatable player I've ever seen in my life. Nick Swisher reminded me of like. The, a poor man's Kevin Millar. Like, tried to be all antic-y and... It's not fucking, a bad comparison. That's how I felt about him. Like, I loved him when he was on the Yankees because he was there for some great moments. Um, but I wasn't really upset when he left. Like, I, I can deal without him hitting 212 every year. I was thrilled. The Indians had a huge offseason. They brought in Nick Swisher and Michael Bourne. And, Michael Bourne. And you would have thought... The Indians fans just signed Mike Trout to a lifetime contract. Like, <laughs> he was good for a couple of years, though. Yeah, just not the couple of years he was in Cleveland. No, of course not, because that's how things work <laughs> out. <laughs> All right, it's episode 33. Uh, we're back to our, our regularly scheduled programming after a fun couple weeks with the Best Of and the Gappy Awards. I'm Tommy Caroselli. Joining me, as always, is Real 7 Costanza. Maddie P. will be bouncing in and out throughout the show as he's currently on daddy duty. And as we were getting set to hit record, that that, that, that child decided, yeah, I'm just going to fuck dad's day up a little bit. <laughs> it's a cherry popping daddy. 
<laughs> man, he's he's got to get that little ragamuffin in check, and uh, and we just got to get just he's got to get his priorities straight. He really does. It's uh, it's quite malarkey that he can't join us on time, but he'll be in and out, kind of like me when I was flipping the potatoes. So he's already putting himself into contention for the best interruption <laughs> for the next year, Gappy. <laughs> in early nominee for the 2021 Gappy Awards. <laughs> it's award season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so speaking of awards, it's it's time to uh to have a, a new uh wow a new nominee for or an early nominee for meet the Met of the year, Jonas Cespedes. Oh yeah. We talked about this the, this injury. I don't remember what episode it was. We did talk about it on pod, but now it comes out that he injured his ankle on his ranch, which we knew, but it was fucking around and almost fighting a boar or is was fighting a boar i think this was a, a true stand your ground case against a wild animal um so the original story was that he he hurt both his ankles falling and i think it was like a ditch in his ranch um and i'm honestly surprised that this story is just coming out now uh because we talked about this like back in july or august so the way the story went was it was an injury it was a freak accident hurt his ankles slowed his rehab and he was eventually done um comes out last week that he was actually fending off a a wild boar and i just remember when i was going through stories and i saw the picture of yoana cespedes in a cowboy hat and behind him was this menacing fucking boar i didn't know what i was looking at and then i clicked into it and i found out indeed he was fighting off a boar like bear Grylls. so uh my cowboy hat is off to you yoana cespedes my cowboy hat is off to you (laughs) Unbelievable. Number one, that he owns a boar. I don't think he owned it. I think it was like a wild, feral boar. That Seven, was there are not wild boars roaming the streets of Queens. No, no, no. This wasn't, <laughs> there's no ranches in Queens either. I think this was out of like his own <laughs> private home. I don't think this was in New York. Googling currently, where is Yoannis Cespedes' ranch? Imagine seeing a wild boar just running down Manhattan and then over the bridge into Queens just to fight Yoannis Cespedes. First of all, the, the third suggestion when you type in where is Yoannis Cespedes is where is Yoannis Cespedes now. So <laughs> there's some real weird people. Uh, okay, it's in Port <laughs> Lucie, Florida. That makes more sense. See? It does, but still. I, I don't think there's wild boar roaming around Florida either. Hold on, real quick. I want to see wild boar Florida. The fact that it's Florida should be enough because Florida's great. Yeah, see, wild hogs, they're in Florida. This could have been, this sentence could have been just a Florida man, and it would have been perfect. <laughs> but instead, it's, it's Yoannis Cespedes. <laughs> Technically, it is a Florida man at the time. Unbelievable. Oh, these so, are vicious. They have, like, tusks and everything. Uh, Matty P, were you chiming in there? I'm chiming in here a little bit. Welcome to the show, buddy. Don't Apologies. Wait, Daddy. Apologies if you hear a baby in the background. Um, <laughs> it's all good. We're working on it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Where we at? Where we at? We're talking about Yoannis Cespedes trying to fight a boar. <clears throat> oh, Jesus. Um, when just, was that um, at? It, where or when? Where? Florida. We just Port St. Lucie, Port St. Lucie, Florida. Oh, we just okay. discovered. Spring now, training. Now, <laughs> let me ask you. Just if you had to guess, would you say there's wild boar in Florida, or do you think this is an animal that he owned? Oh, 100%. They're in my neighborhood, dude. 
Thank God we have a Florida man on this podcast. I was I was hammering the over that there were wild boars down there. Dude, so time out. They're wait, almost wait, like wait, coyotes. You're just, you're just you're skipping over the fact that you just said you have wild boar running around your neighborhood. Like I I, I don't know. I you know what? I guess I can kind of be- walk this back because I have wild deer running around my neighborhood, and that that might well, be. Well, here's I mean you say. They're not running the sidewalks or, you know, in the streets, but there's... So we live on a conservation land, and they do come out of the woods every now and then. Uh, they roll deep. They're like coyotes. They roll in packs. And they get pretty big, dude. There's, you know, some of them get... I think the males are over 200 pounds. Um, so, so they're they like big get, oinkies. And you would can you, hunt them year-round because they're a nuisance. Oh. Yeah. Would you hunt our wild boar? No, I have no interest, but... Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Gap to Gap is going to have a live stream episode talking baseball while hunting wild boar at the same time. <laughs> I mean, if we set that up, I'm all in. All right. I'm going to Holy get a crap. This was, this gonna, was back in episode four. Oh, so this Sorry, was it, back in like it took It took forever to find this. Jesus Christ. Sorry, I've been, I've literally, since we started, since I said it happened in a previous episode, I've been searching around trying to figure out what episode we talked about it in. But holy cow. This was, yeah. That's more than half a year of cover up. Actually, I'm sorry, episode two, The Beef. Even more. (laughs) Yeah. So that's bad. Yeah, that's back in May. That's, that's April, May. Like, holy cow. Suspidus must have the best PR team dedicated to him. To be able to cover up a wild boar attack. I'll say. For half a year, more than half a year. That's impressive. Well, dude, their spring training facility is in Port Port St. Lucie. So he's probably, you know, doing whatever he's doing. But it's like right near the beach. I'm surprised there's wild boar out there. So am I. If I would have told you, like if I just said that you have to guess where this story happened. Jonas Tespis was attacked by a wild boar. End of sentence. Where would you guess that happened? Because I would have guessed like Montana or some shit. Hmm. I would have guessed, guessed somewhere like that. I would have thrown Florida in the mix just because I know they're here. You know what I mean? That's but, fair. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, I probably would have said somewhere up north. I digress. The Astros and and their trash can banging, the hash thinging, slashing Astros, the asterisks. <laughs> Nearing a final ruling, uh, Commissioner Manfred says the ruling will come, quote, before spring training. Carlos Correa saying the World Series title is not tainted. Disagree strongly. Um, Where do we fall on this thing? Because this, I I, I still think, I actually saw a, a, a suggestion from a former Cleveland Indian, Jensen Lewis, today, that the only way that this thing can be can get through is now another uh, cheating story is coming up. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I think he says the only way to deter teams from not cheating is to impose a two year postseason ban or have take her out, take away their first three round picks for the next two years. Hmm. I, so I like the idea of the postseason ban just because I don't think two years is, First of all, like, it's tough to police it, too, because there's so many ways to cheat, not to the degree that the Astros were, but what, like, what, I guess what justifies the the punishment, if that makes sense, because 
numerous teams can steal signs like that, but only the Astros really got caught. So at what point do we say, like, now it turns into a whole steroid debacle. You know what I mean? Where, all right, we're going to, we have to bury someone that got caught, but for all we know, there's 29 other teams doing the same thing, and they probably just don't get caught. So I think the draft pick's probably more realistic. I think that, and we talked about it before, taking away draft picks from baseball teams isn't exactly where it hurts the most. I still think that if you took away their international signing bonus for the next two, three years, or whatever that might be, it probably hurts them a little bit more because that's where they get impact players from quicker, and that's how they develop quicker too. So I don't think the draft is where you really hurt them, especially in a sport like baseball. Natty P, what do you think? I think it'd be tough. No, you're good. It'd be tough to impose a two-year ban. You would think it would hurt their regular season attendance big time. Um which wouldn't be good for any organization, really, as baseball is trying to... But isn't, to that, isn't that just attendance. part of the punishment, though? I guess that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I, I think there's other ways to, to go about it, like, um, you know, the taking away draft picks or, like Seven said, even international money. But, you know, what about putting some MLB officials in the video replay rooms or, you know, having policing that a little bit more, having... You know, putting MLB's presence uh, in these rooms, I think, would would help. Obviously, it's, you know, something they probably don't or didn't want to do. But, I mean, what else can you do when it comes to video and, you know, the technology nowadays? It's it's tough to really, you know, police all of it. Um, so, I don't know, man. It's it's kind of a gray area. It's tough to really figure out. But I don't, I don't like the idea of a postseason ban. I just, I don't think it would be uh, good for baseball to do that. So I think that the idea of uh, charging a team draft picks is is like we talked about it. Like it se- it seems like a fitting punishment. It seems like the kind of punishment that they would hand down. But I think at the most you're penalizing a team four years down the road, which is that really going to deter somebody from going to get a World Series? Like if I have a chance to get get a World Series now, and let's say I have to pay for it four years from now with a draft pick is that really going to turn me especially if if i get like the the astros are in a height of success right now where they're going to be picking 30th in that first round anyway or yeah, 28th that's true or whatever it is is it really gonna bother them that much to lose a draft pick seven i like your idea of of the international signing pool money and yeah i agree that that maybe a postseason ban i'm gonna call it a little too college football ish um, but I think to deter this from happening, you got to come down with the swift hand of the law. And, and Maddie, I think that's a great suggestion to be a solution to the problem, but it doesn't punish the Astros right now for their wrongdoing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. It's a tough one, man. I don't know, you know, they obviously crossed a, a big line and, and I just don't know how severe they get with it. I mean, obviously it has to be severe to teach everyone else a lesson. And if this ever happens moving forward, shame on baseball. But um, I don't know, man. It's it's tough to really say what what a good punishment would be. I, I don't have an answer to it. I don't either. Um, and I, it, it's going to be interesting to see what the Astros get handled, handed down to them. And then piggybacking off of that, the uh, the other cheating, new cheating scandal coming to the front, the Boston Red Sox oh, uh, being blamed from the – 
<laughs> Shut up. The Yankees are probably just as guilty. No, they, uh, there was actually a tweet today that came out that said that the Yankees were found not guilty. There's nothing that the, there's no wrongdoing in New York. They're fucking they're the standard. They set the bar very high there. Okay. Okay. Whatever you say. I'm paraphrasing, but they did say that they were not caught in any cheating activities. <laughs> who who but, said that? Uh, I can get the tweet right now. Andy Martino. I read that the Astros believe the Yankees were using a camera to zoom in on the catcher's signs, according to a I, source. I didn't hear any of that. I heard the Red Sox did get fined for that Apple Watch fiasco, though. Oh, yeah. Didn't the Yankees have an Apple Watch fiasco as well? No, no, no. It wasn't them. It was the Red Sox. Completely the Red Sox. I thought there was, a, I thought there was two teams involved. I know the Red Sox had their fine. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Seven, you dug up a couple awesome stats here. Uh, the Red Sox did have the best contact rate in baseball in 2018 and the best average with runners on base in 2018, both obviously during the year that they got their, their, this accusations coming about. So it's hard to say, you know, definitively, you know, what what really becomes tainted at this point? And is, are we going to look back on this stretch of baseball in five, ten years in a way that we look at the steroid era where – Instead of its players being tainted, now we're looking at teams being tainted. Yeah. Do you think that's a possibility? Yeah, I think it's honestly, I think it's a little bit worse because with the steroid stuff, sure, like there's certain individuals that are taking their game up to the next level. And Porter, if you're listening, sorry, but uh, it was really, you know, a select few that I think were really abusing it. Um, And with this, to your point, Tommy, this is a whole team effort now. Like, Everyone's in on it, and the, the team statistics for the Red Sox in 2018 kind of point at that. Um, it's no coincidence when you had the accusation on you, and again, I'm not saying they're guilty of it yet, but a little bit of a coincidence when um, the manager is the bench coach from the team that got caught the year before. So uh, there's some consistency here. I just think it's a little glaring when we dig into it and you can find these stats and you can start to draw these parallels and connect the dots a little bit. It just doesn't look good, and now, and to your point, we have to wonder well, how much is tainted. Um, if we really were to dig into this, and MLB really wanted to go through a whole investigation for every team to see any wrongdoings, I wonder what else would come up. Because I, I guarantee it's not just Boston, it's not just Houston. There's definitely other teams that are doing it. I'm sure there's other teams that have varying success, and obviously with these two teams winning the World Series two years in a row, um, yeah, it's, it raises some eyebrows for me. You know, for me, it's kind of joking, but if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So I obviously don't mean that, but at the same time, to your point, Seven, wouldn't surprise me if if we found 28 other teams be guilty of of similar infractions or or different types of cheating that we don't know about. That's a thing, though. Oh, sorry, go ahead. It's just like, that's it's the way you have to like define it, like what's cheating, right? Because what the Astros and the Red Sox allegedly were doing sounds like it was over the line. That's cheating, using video evidence, stuff like that, streaming it, having signs and, and audibly being able to hear it. What other teams typically do is like seeing signs, reporting it back to the team. That's fair game. And I think, you know, the way I see it is if I'm on second base and I can see what the catcher's calling, I can go back to the dugout and let my guys know, like, hey, he favors this on this type of count. Just watch out for it. That's We've all done that in Little League growing up. Like, that's nothing new. But I think you take it a step further when you can anticipate the pitch coming, you can anticipate the way teams are preparing for you, and you're actually relying on that to get an upper hand while the game's being played. 
in live moments instead of being able to report back and just say, oh, he, you know, he's coming at me with this and on this type of county, he's been throwing a slider, like shit like that. That's different to me. This is stepping over a line the way I see it, at least. That's cheating to me. I think when we think about cheating, we have to think about altering the impact of the game significantly. True. Matty P, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, I, for this report, if, if they do get found guilty for it, I'm strictly bra- blaming rat face Alex Cora for bringing his cheating ass over from the Astros to the Red Sox <laughs> and bringing this bad juju to Boston that we really didn't need, especially with all the Patriots bullshit history. And could you imagine when, like, Cora got word of this allegation coming out? He was probably at a family shindig and boom – found out an instant elephant in the room don't want to talk about it but he's a fucking cheating ass man and i wouldn't be surprised if he was guilty i'm blaming him i'm not blaming the red Sox. i'm blaming cora for bringing this type of shit over to boston and giving us a bad name pisses me off (laughs) that's my tip i love it i love it that's awesome um seven any last thoughts on this no nah, i had nothing that that summed it up perfectly what a real ragamuffin he is that's awesome what a great way to go out um it's on this conversation all right so we we i i mentioned at the top of the show we've kind of been off of our uh our normal schedule for the past couple weeks we missed a bunch of signings let's just kind of go through some of the bigger ones let's just rattle these things off um and just just kind of couple couple sentence reaction to him let's start with rich hill and homer bailey going to minnesota i like this move for minnesota i don't like this move for the central um i think that it's the central is going to be pretty competitive i think they're that, that as a whole the al central is going to uh dig itself out of the worst division in baseball mantra what do you guys think about it maddie p let's start with you um i like the move for the twins i think it um it's aggressive bringing in two decent pitchers who, you know, they've had their ups and downs in their career, but if you could get them to come back to any sort of form that they've had, uh, even close to it, it's a big, big win for the Twins. Um, As long as Rich Hill doesn't try to bring an oversized bag into the park, they should be good, man. (laughs) Seven, what about you? I thought that signing was the bomb. Uh, (laughs) No, I think the the Hill signing is better just for the short term, I think it's, a, it's bargain hunting. He's a good pitcher when he's on. Uh, if he can, you know, not have blisters pop up every two starts and he can pitch, you know, between 20 and 25 games, I think it's a good value signing for them. Uh, it gives them a veteran presence. They have some depth now. The Homer, I, I'm, I'm kind of on and off about Homer. I, I've never really been a huge fan. I think anytime a pitcher has a name Homer, it's cause for concern. So, uh, my thoughts yeah, on why that. Did, why wouldn't he change his name to, like, Doug? Use, like, use your middle name. Like, just go, yeah, like, Doug or fucking Greg or something. Just not home. Good old Greg Bailey. Greg Bailey on the mountain. <laughs> I don't even know if that's his middle name, but it's that's, just. I'm, I'm finding out right now. Yeah, I, I, the, the signings themselves don't separate them. I think you kind of mentioned Oh, Tom, God. What is it? His name's not even Homer. What is it? His name is David. Why would you ever go by Homer? Why the fuck does he go by Homer? I'd rather go by Bart. Yeah. His 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 real name is David Dewitt Bailey Jr. David Dewitt baby. <laughs> Probably lost his virginity at thirteen. Bailey, nicknamed Homer after his great grandfather, attended Lagrange High School. Oh my god. So, man, 
Well, there you go. That's I get it. There. Your great-grandfather was probably awesome and probably a badass. But let's maybe not him. go by by Homer as a pitcher. Yeah. Especially it's... when you have a lifetime 457 ERA. Yeah, it's, that's why it's. I think it's a poor choice to go by that name. But, hey, whatever. If... Uh... If Homer wants to go by Homer, I'm sure he's going to give up a lot of homers again. So I think the, Holy the signings. Holy shit, he's an ugly dude. <laughs> the signings bring the division as a whole closer in, ter- in terms of competition, I think. So at least it gives you something to watch that gives a little bit more parity within the division. Um, all right. I, I can't get over how ugly Homer Bailey is. Like, do not go on it. He looks like a serial killer in his, in his baseball reference picture. Um. Anyway. Moving on, you're looking it up right now, aren't you, Seven? Yep. Holy shit. All right, shit. moving on from moving on from the White Sox, staying in the AL Central. Uh, the Chicago White Sox have kind of bolstered a, a whole lot of talent. Oof. Edwin Encarnacion, Dallas Keuchel, and Gio Gonzalez all heading uh, to the south side. Again, love this move for them. Don't love this move for the AL Central. And as a whole, I think the White Sox are going to be sneaky good this year. I love Seven, the White what do you Sox. think about the – go ahead, Matty P. Sorry. No, you're good. I love the White Sox this year. Um, they're getting aggressive. They've had a lot of their young kids, you know, come up with breakout seasons last year. Um, if they can roll that into the 2020 season with the additions they've made, I mean, Edwin is huge. If Keiko can give you something, that's nice. Geo as well, experience. Um, you know, a lot of young kids – pairing them up with with some of these veterans i mean you know it's it's looking at their roster it's a team that i would be worried about for sure seven what do you think i honestly i love the signings that the white Sox have been going through um they've addressed almost every single need they have except for second base uh that's still kind of a black hole right now but aside from that i think the keiko signing is the one that goes under the radar a little bit here that a lot of people don't really realize probably puts them into contention right away. Uh, I think when you can follow that rotation with a guy like Heichel pitching in the two or three, and they're still waiting to get Kopik back, a couple other guys, and if Lopez can get his head on straight, this is a good rotation now. Their bullpen has gotten better. Their outfield, bringing Luis Robert up, or supposedly going to bring him up and have, have him on the open day roster, I think is a good move. Signing into that extension now, team friendly. He can grow with the team. They're a young team. They're going to be really good, I think. I Honestly, they're my dark horse to take the Central. So I, That doesn't uh, surprise me one bit, yeah, honestly. And I, th- I think just watching the way they've been building this roster for the last three, four years, and it might not have been the quickest rebuild, but they're transitioning to a competitive team. So I'm excited to watch them because I think they're going to be a lot better than they were last year. So uh, White Sox GM Rick Hahn believes that Danny Mendick I'm sorry, not Mendick. Uh, where where's this kid's first name? <laughs> Madrigal. It just says it doesn't. Ma- oh, Nick Madrigal, Mendic? the number four. No, it, there's another guy named Danny Mendick. Uh, <laughs> which That's boy? An unfortunate name. Mendic. That kid's that kid's childhood had to have been tough. That kid had to go pro in baseball. Otherwise, he just got absolutely fucked by life. Uh, here comes um, Mendick. <laughs> But no, Nick Madrigal, the White Sox uh, number four pick in last year's draft, is expected 
by GM Rick Hahn to be the team's second baseman for much of the 2020 season. Um, but failing the prospect route, what about a name like Jason Kipnis, who's still out there for uh, the White Sox? Chicago Chicago kid born and raised. You can probably get him in on a, on a minor league deal. What do you guys think about that? Love it. Yeah, why not? All right. Uh so then you have Keuchel, Geo. I think Geo is going to be a nice little boost to that rotation. Yeah. And then you have already have a ton of talent. I I, I agree with you, Seven. I think this, the Sox could be a dark horse to win the Central. Yeah, I think it's going to be – the path to getting there is a little easier for, for them. than it, I, I feel like they're similar in terms of makeup to a team like the Rays, if that makes sense, where they're super young. They're taking a chance on a lot of different types of personalities and players uh, to mix and match. But that's what they have to do. They have limited payroll. So I feel like they can take that division, though, where I feel like the Rays probably are still a little bit behind the Yankees and potentially the Sox uh, if they come back next year. So I th- I, that's why I like the Sox, the White Sox, a lot more to win a division than to just make a wild card. I, I don't see too much in the way of them getting there. The Twins were a great story last year, but I just don't think that they can sustain that type of performance for another year. Yeah, agreed 100%. All right, uh, let's go back to the Mets. Dylan Batantis and Rick Porcello both going to to going to Queens. Um, again, I, I like these moves. I haven't found one that I haven't seen a move that I don't like yet. Matty P, what do you think? Yeah, I like the move too. Um, you know, Porcello obviously had some success in Boston and got to watch him closely. Um, had a tough year, I think, last year, but you know he's uh, he's got a good history. And again, I mean these. Uh, Porcello is one of those guys, he's kind of in the same category as Keiko and Gio where, you know, he's had success, you know, can he, can he bring that back, uh, you know, this season coming up? I mean, if he can, that's a huge win for the Mets. Um, veteran postseason experience, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a move that I, I really like for the organization and, and Batantis is a great pickup too. Um, you know, I, I don't know, man. I don't understand the Mets. I love their roster every year going into the season, and they just never really, you know, can can make it work. Last year they were real close to, you know, getting one of those wild card spots, I believe. But, you know, we'll see. Seven, what do you think? I, I just think the 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 signing that I think is more of an impact is the Dylan Batantis signing because if Batantis is right, now this Mets bullpen looks a lot better. Um, adding just one guy like that because now you have a stable bridge to get to Diaz. Or say Diaz scuffles, you have Batanzas waiting in the wings. He has closing experience. He's been in big moments. He pitched in a big market. He's not really changing scenery. Obviously, he's just going across the bridge. But he's, he's a guy that's been there before. He has postseason experience. So this is an invaluable signing to him. Porcello, I'm a little lukewarm on. He was so bad last year. But, of course, you have to take a gamble on him because he's a former Cy Young winner. Like, he can definitely turn around that spot vacated by Wheeler. So you get some experience, you get a veteran guy. Uh, again, Cy Young winner, so you can bank on a rebound. I think the Mets, and Matt, I, I have the same feeling almost every year. It's just their roster looks good on paper, but for whatever reason, they just don't put it together until it's way Never. too late, like mid-August into September, trying to make that crazy run. So if you're a Mets fan, you got to hope that these signings now, you know, taking some, some waivers on these guys works out earlier rather than later. And, and obviously it's going to be interesting monitoring with Dylan Patanzas coming back from that ankle injury. He only pitched the two batters last year. 
And then, of course, Porcello, with his struggles last year, can he keep the ball in the park? Can he pitch below a 5 ERA? I think he can. I don't know if he's going to move the needle to the point where Zach Wheeler might have. But for whatever reason, the Mets are being cautious this offseason. They're not going crazy like they did last year. So we'll have to see. But I like the signings for what they are. I just want to see them finally put it together. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, next one. Dodgers getting Jimmy Nelson, uh, luring him away from Milwaukee. Uh, for me, I'm looking at this as a trade-off for your number two, and you go from, from Rich Hill to Jimmy Nelson. I think it's another win for the Dodgers. Seven, what do you think? I like Jimmy Nelson. I think you're getting – yeah, you said it. He's a younger version of Rich Hill. He's he's going to give you innings. Uh, I think with a guy like him, if he's taking that spot, you're, you're realistically looking for a guy like Jimmy Nelson to give you max 25, 27 starts. Uh, he's not a, a workhorse by any means, but he's a good stopgap, and he's a good guy to fill out that rotation while they wait for these young kids to come up. Yeah, not Matty bad. P. Not bad. I guess bringing him in and, and seeing what he could give you. I mean, he, he had a tough season last year. I don't think he uh, he was completely healthy either. I think he only played in a handful of games, really. But um, I'm pretty sure, you know, from 2015 to 2017, he he pitched about 30 games each year. So if they could get that back and he could come down to about a three-and-a-half, you know, upper three ERA, uh, not a bad pickup. Yeah, again, just – I think a lot of teams are making smart signings this year. I haven't seen anybody really reach. Haven't seen a lot of questionable fits. I, I think teams, and maybe it's just a, 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 a nod to how analytics are fitting now in the game of baseball. True. And how they're affecting the front office. But I've, I've seen a lot of just just smart fits this year. The only uh, one I think is a reach is the Reds getting Moustakis, especially when they got him. They got him pretty early, and they overpaid for him. That was a reach. To have him play second for them but other than that i agree i think most of these teams are taking an analytical approach uh aside from the big fish that are already gone uh most of these teams are just trying to round out the roster with high upside signings now now when you when i look at moustakis i i look at him as a team trying to get one of those big names so it was kind of a boomer bust signing for them so not even a bad signing just a boomer bust one yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. I, I just think it's an odd fit for him to go there because they're not at, they're asking him to play second, and he's still fairly yeah. new to the position. Granted, you're signing him for his bat, not his defense, so I, I get why they did it, but I thought it was just kind of a backwards way of doing it. All right, next, signing the Nationals. Uh, the world champions get Starling Castro and Will Harris for actually pretty decent prices, too. Yeah. Uh, I like the Castro signing. I don't know. I'm kind of I kind of him and Hall on Harris. Um, Harris is what he is to me, uh, but you're taking him away from Houston, where pitchers have seemed to have found a second wind. I wonder how he'll do outside of DC. But I really like the Castro signing. Matty P, how you feeling about this one? Um, I actually agree with you. I, Will Harris, whatever. We'll see what he could do. Uh, I I love the Castro signing actually. Um, you know, he, he'll give you some longevity during the season. I think four out of the last five years he's played 150 or more games. Um, he gave you 86 RBIs with the Marlins last year, which, you know, obviously the Marlins haven't been good since Dontrell Willis was kneeing himself in the chin. <laughs> but um, That was I the like best wind-up to imitate when you're out in the backyard with the boys. Oh, yeah. Wiffle ball, 100%. Um so, yeah, man, I really like the Castro signing. Will Harris, all right, cool. Uh, we'll see what he does, but I love the Castro signing. Seven. I like the Castro signing for two reasons. One, it gives them a guy that can hit at the top of the order. 
and it also gives them position flexibility because third base is a black hole. They moved Castro to play third base last year towards the end of the year in Miami, so he's proven he can do it. Granted, he's not a gold glover by any means, but if they just need a guy that can come in and fill that position now, that's a great signing. They got him on the cheap. He has power. Matt, you said it. He can play almost every day. So you have a guy that can move around for you. He can play second and third now. So I like the signing a lot there. The Will Harris one, I'm a little perplexed. They gave him three years. He's already 37 years old. Threw a lot of money at him. And I think DC is compost friendly, so there's no trash cans in that, in that dugout. Um, so we'll have to see how he adjusts without any of that noise, so to speak. But <laughs> either way, uh, they, they had to fill a need. They had a lot of bullpen problems. Uh, it was it kind of shown in the World Series without, you know, a couple key outs from some certain guys. I think it's a different series, but obviously that was a, an area of need. So I think Harris helps get the get the ball to Doolittle and Daniel Hudson. But again, I'm not super high on him. I think his age is going to catch up with them. And to be honest, I have never really been too high on him to begin with. So yeah. All right, next team, uh, the Angels go out and get uh, Jason Castro and Julio Teheran. I love the Teheran signing. Uh, Seven, I'm going to kick it right back to you. I like I like this one a lot. I think Tehran is, well, if you go back, what, maybe two, three years, he was the ace of the Atlanta Braves staff. Granted, the, the Braves were not good at this time, but he was also a guy that gave you a lot of innings. He has good stuff when he's on. He had some injuries. Uh, this is a great signing for the Angels who needed pitching desperately. They failed to get Garrett Cole. They failed to get Bumgarner. They failed to get pretty much every pitcher on the market this year. So the fact that they were able to supplement the rotation with a guy that has a proven track record, granted he's going to have to prove it, and this is what this deal is. It's a cushion deal. He's just trying to get back on track. I like it a lot for that rotation. They needed a guy that can just give them a stabilizing force. They went out and got Bundy. So they're starting to build a rotation now, and I think this is the perfect key to slide in as a three or a two for that rotation to not take them over the hump, but at least make them competitive because what the angels can't keep doing is wasting these years of Mike Trout because it's a shame. This guy has only played in four postseason games. You want to see him playing more. Yeah, no, no real arguments here. Uh, Matty P. How about you? Um, I feel the same. I I really like the signing Um, Castro irrelevant in my eyes, but uh, Julio, I think, um, you know, this guy's. I think his rookie year was 2013, and every year since, he's started in 30 games or more. So even with the injuries, he's managed to get out on the mound for the most part. Um, you know, in the threes with an ERA, I'm always a big fan of a pitcher going from one league to the other because the AL batters haven't seen him as much. That's true. Um, so that's, I think that works in his favor, and... Just like Seven said, I mean, the Angels have to start making moves like this to, to try and get to the postseason and, and not waste Mike Trout's career. Uh, that was a great point. So, yeah, big fan of the signing. Uh, we're rolling through these things. There's, a, there's been a – we've missed a lot, boys. Uh, <laughs> Arizona bolstering some talent. They get Mad Bum and Cole Calhoun are their big names bringing in. Thoughts here. I, I mean, again, it's just – it's another one just, like, I, I, I love the fit. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the fit, too, I, especially the Bumgarner signing. Um, for that rotation, and we keep going back to it, and it's a common theme, but to have a veteran guy that comes in who has that experience, World Series champion, put the team on his back when he had to do it, 
Uh, this is as good as a sign you're going to get. And they got him, I wouldn't say on the cheap, but compared to what Cole signed for, this has to look like bargain hunting. Uh, it was like the clearance rack to get Bumgarner compared to that. So I like to fit a lot. He stays in the division. He's had success in this division his whole career. It's the only division he's known. So I look to him to come in, pitch in that 2-3 spot, give them a lot of innings, be competitive. He's not the same guy that he was in 2015, but he's still very, very good. So I, th I think, yeah, why not take a gamble? And also probably just helps with attendance to see Mad, Mad Bum just grunting and listening, <laughs> listening to Butt Pussy throwing seven innings every day at Chase Field. So <laughs> I'm all for it. Matty P. Yeah, man, I'm all for it too. Um, Calhoun, he's, you know, adds some depth to the outfield. Uh, he doesn't really do it for me, but he another guy who's, you know, pretty much his whole career, I think. Um, he's managed to get out there 100-and-something games, so that's good for them uh, and their outfield depth. And Madison Bumgarner, you know, obviously when they lost Granke, um, I guess a priority would be to bring in a guy who could be your ace and, you know, who better than Bumgarner who's familiar with the division and, you know, can, can probably give you some good good starts. I actually like him this year a lot coming up. Um, I think he's going to have a good year. And, and like Seven said, it's good to put him above, you know, the young staff that they have. Um, so, yeah, I love that signing as well. All right, last one. Avasayo Garcia going to Milwaukee. Uh, again, it just – another good fit i think I, again i i'm not really i re ha really haven't found one that i'm like yeah it's a reach or yeah it's not a great fit another one i think it's a, just uh hand in glove so to speak uh maddie p thoughts yeah i got to see him a lot in tampa last year he's he's young still he's 28 29 years old uh he hit 282 last year definitely got a little uh little bit of pop 20 home runs okay 72 rbis not bad um, it's a nice pickup, man. It really is. I think he's gonna uh, he's gonna play well over there in Milwaukee. I mean, they had to they had to bring in some guys. They seem to be dismantling uh, a lot of the names that we're familiar with over there. So um, it's a nice pickup. I think Milwaukee still, as a team, is gonna have a tough season this year. But I could be wrong. Um, but I don't I don't mind the pickup. I'm okay with it. Seven. So I'm gonna give a counterpoint because I, I don't like this signing Ooh. at all um i th i guess on the surface if you're just not paying attention you might think this is great garcia is a power hitter you know we need to add more bats i think the opposite i needed more pitching and the other news coming out that they're potentially interested in trading hater if you're so my issue here is you can't tell two stories and expect the same outcome if you're trying to win now great then try to win now and have aggressive off seasons, but you can't keep flip flopping to the point where now it's like, oh, okay, well we'll bring in Garcia, he'll help with the hitting, but we're we're gonna try to trade Hater because if they do trade Hater, I don't care what you say, that's the biggest loss of that team aside from Yelich. That they just won't overcome that because now you're in full rebuild rebuild mode and you have a lot of guaranteed money going to these people. So now what do you do? Do you just blow up the team? Was this signing just kind of window dressing? I, I've never understood how the Brewers construct their rosters, and I probably never will, but I just don't think this was a good fit for them at all. Okay, I can get on board with that. Um, I was going to say, in, in, in to me, this strikes as a signing where, like, okay, we're just trying to 
you know, just secure the lineup and, and give Christian Yelich some kind of help. Right. Um, I, I do understand your point, though, and I can't say I disagree with it. It's not, it's not a bad point at all. Um, boy, that's a lot of signings that we've covered, boys. Yeah, now it's uh, now it's trade talk because I think in the next couple of weeks you just see some some big trades go down. You think so? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Matty P, uh, do you have anything to go out on? Because boy, I got I got a heater of a take here. <laughs> I got a Dude, heater of a curtain call. I have something pretty cool. Um, so what do you got for us? For those who don't know, I I'm a raised season ticket holder, and every year they give you like a perk of being a season ticket holder to choose from. Like last year we had a, a free catered suite with, I could invite 16 guests and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So this year that's still an option, but the other option is taking batting practice on the field. Ooh, and I'm okay. definitely, definitely going to be doing that. So I'm sure I'll have video of it. Um, and I guess we might have to get a Twitter poll. Will I make contact? Will I hit it Hang on, on a second field? here? Can you, can you... <laughs> Go ahead. I'm trying to shoehorn my way in here. I am too. I'll, I'll let you do it first. Um, how can we make content out of this? Is basically what I'm getting at. <laughs> so that's a great, great question. I, want, I, I, don't I wonder if I fly my if I fly my ass down to Tampa if they'll let me on with a with a video camera, video camera to, to make this thing work. There will definitely, I'll definitely have it videotaped regardless. Uh, I actually threw out the first pitch last year at a game. I have that on video too. Holy um, shit, dude. Are you a Rays super fan and we just kind of dismissed you and shoehorned you into being a Mets fan? I mean, you know, you got to know the right people. But, um, huh. yeah, man, I mean. I'm also, just sick a big, invite on that suite would have been dude, fun. Dude, I'm a but. baseball super fan. You could move me to any city with a baseball team and, you know, uh, I'll find my way to the ballpark as, reg- as, as much as I can. All right, but. so what I'm hearing is that. You need to let us know as soon as you get this BP day scheduled, and then <laughs> I would hundred uh, percent I will. And then me and Seven are gonna fly our asses down, and I'm gonna be certain we're gonna we're gonna mic you up, and we're just, oh, this is, I, I I got this the wheels are turning this is gonna be electric oh that'd be epic I'll be in the outfield shacking balls with a wild boar <laughs> dude I might need you to be banging buckets underneath so I know what's coming. <laughs> BP fastball! <laughs> BP fastball! <laughs> That's the boy next to me. <laughs> oh, Alright, Seven, what do you got? I'm going to say uh, more baseball related. Uh, by the end of January, Francisco Lindor and Mookie Betts will be traded. <sighs> wow. I don't like that. I, I don't know. either. I know, both of you. I, I, I don't like that one bit. <laughs> oh, and the Yankees will, will get Josh Hader. I, I I don't like that. The last one that I really don't huge. believe. Um, I'm not even going to bother that with some analysis. I'm just going to move right, move right past it. Hurts, doesn't uh, it? My, it does. <laughs> uh, my curtain call is that by the year 2022, we will uh, find out that the Netflix series You is all about Homer Bailey. <laughs> Because the more I look at this dude, the more I am just convinced that this guy has killed at least four hookers and and maybe more. David Dewitt Bailey Jr. has a look of pure malice. He does. And, and boy, Seven put a picture of him. Because I, I wrote down this while we were talking about 
uh, the Homer Bailey stuff, and I wrote that I was going to say this at the end of the show, and Homer put his baseball reference picture in the in the dock, and this thing's just been staring at me for about 20 minutes now, and I'm convinced I'm going to have terrible, terrible dreams about Homer Bailey tonight. You know what's funny you say that? he So in the show, you, I do watch it, and the second season, he had to change his name because he was on the run from a previous... We'll call it a failed relationship. Uh, funny enough, Homer Bailey has changed his name, so I wonder what he's running from. That great-grandfather story doesn't really add up when you look at his fucking picture. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I've never been more convinced that I'm going to be murdered by Homer Bailey. He looks like he's uh, in the rotation of the changing of the guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier in D.C. You're giving him way too much credit. I'm just saying he's like <laughs> so serious and intimidating-looking. I was going to say he looked like he was on the promotional art for No Country for Old Men. <laughs> he looks like he, he looks like uh like a like a JV baseball coach that it was picture day and they're told him like dude give a serious picture and he was like mm, it's hardo. He's the he's, okay, he's the gym teacher that's the JV baseball coach that wears the manager pants out to the mound in a slow strut like Joe Torre. And then after his team loses 16 to 4, he goes to the local bar and gets absolutely smashed. <laughs> after making his team run. Yep, and then gets a Dewey on his way back home to his wife. Oh, <laughs> nice. Oh, boy. All right, I think that's enough for one day. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, that's enough for one day. I said that again because I'm a dummy. All right, uh, till next time. He's Maddie P. He's going back to the duty. Real 7 Costanza signing off. I'm Tommy Caruselli. See ya.